Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. The Telegraph. Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with The Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance. I'm Brian Moore and I'm pleased to say that joining me in the studio today is the former Queen's London Irish Lock, George Robson. Hello, George. Hello, Brian. Uh, we're going to be here. Yep, good man. We're going to be going over the Lions win uh, and the Mario All Blacks and the defeat to the Highlanders. We've got Mark Cueto. Duncan Jones, Dan Tui, Donnie Weir and Craig Newby who will also be joining us and we'll be discussing all things rugby including uh, the Lions selection policy by Warren Gatland and lots of other things. We'll be looking back over the Challenge Cup quarterfinals with Warrington's Kevin Brown. There's been some tremendous games. Uh, we'll also be hearing from another member of the team behind the team. Remember, uh, every week you can join us on Facebook Live at 6pm. Just search for Telegraph Sport. And you can listen to the whole show live on the Telegraph website. Remember, please, to subscribe to the podcast. It's free after all. Uh, you'll never miss an episode then. And you can leave us a review if you like. Fine, on with the show. Uh, George, we had a fascinating time, actually, just before we came on, discussing you know, the vagaries of things. And we quite often like to, in the first section, take some questions from viewers. And this one, was, this one is representative of lots of questions of a similar nature. And we've picked this one because it doesn't have any swear words in it. Uh, but it's similarly from Mark Toomey. How devalued is the Lions shirt following Gatland's latest call-ups? Now, uh, let's just get the background to this. What Warren has, Gatland has done is he's picked six players, four from Wales and two from Scotland, as uh, people to come in and sit on the bench for the Tuesday uh, game uh, against the Chiefs. Um, he has admitted that they've been picked more on geography because the travelling time from either Australia or some of them in New Zealand, you know, is obviously less than the time from Argentina where England are and Japan where Ireland are. Um, that, that people are asking that sort of. What's your view on that? Well, I think it's interesting. I think if we look at the guys that have been called up, I think some of the, some of those guys are obviously pretty good and probably you know, on merit would be there or thereabouts. Well, Finn, Ross Ford, Finn Russell. Finn Russell, yes. If we look at uh, Finn Russell, you know, he's a great player, yep. uh, fantastic distribution, has that ability to, to turn a game. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some guys in there that, that, that people are questioning. Uh, but the reality is about the guys themselves. The first thing I think we should both make clear is the fact that if you've been picked for the Lions, oh, it's amazing. And I think on Twitter today, as I, as I found out, Brian, yeah. when I found a very interesting um, looking a little bit of research to show about Corey Hill, I, I know him through uh, Coach Kerry Jones. Yeah. Yeah, thinks he's going to be a, a great player, and he is yeah. a great player, good line out guy, yeah. and else. Looking for him on Wikipedia, and I yeah. noticed that someone had changed his. Uh, Relative section to, to members of the coaching staff. You know, we 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 personally, obviously, anyone picked here. You know, you got to, you can't. Not and that may, 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 I mean, I I will have my say, but 
I am not in any way blaming the players who've been picked. If you're picked, you you think your Christmases have all come at once and birthdays and everything else, and you go. I have no, I have no suggestion of criticism of them at all. Exactly, and, and especially with when you talk about Finn Russell, who was. You know, it was close. It was very arguable whether or not he should have gone in the first place. Yeah. And yeah, so, so and, and again, Gareth Davis, great, uh, great player. You know, uh, twenty-five caps world, very good player in, in, in attack. Um, and, and even guys like you know Tom, Thomas Francis, he's, he's just won a premiership with Exeter. You know, on the bench, great, great player. So you look at those guys. The, the question I've got probably for you, Brian, is: so I'm, I'm a guy who's played rugby at, at a high level. I never got the chance to, yeah. to get close to, to being a British and Irish lion. So in terms of devaluing the shirt, I tell you what it is, George. You're right. I tell you what it is. It's you're told, and this is very much part of the lion's legend, that you are the custodian of the lion's shirt for the time and the tour you're in it. And remember, the legacy that has come before you in my position with players like Pullin and uh, Peter Wheeler, uh, Colin Deans and uh, even further back, Bobby Windsor and that sort of thing. So you're constantly reminded that you're just one player in a stream of people who have gone before you and will come after you. And therefore you do not own the shirt, and but you do have a pride in it in the sense that, you know, I've worked really hard to get this. I deserve to be there. And you become a bit proprietorial in this sense of the right to wear it. And then you see other players, you think, actually, there are better players around. And, and, and I don't think that's justified on merit. And, and, and that does get to you in a way that I don't think it does get to, to, to people who have not been in and around the, the, the scene. And, and certainly not to journalists or, or, or fans who have never come close to playing you know, high-level rugby. I think it's yeah. difficult enough for players um, you like yourself have played in tonight, uh, the, the lots and lots of very senior <laughs> well, thanks rugby. Thanks very much there, Brian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but, but that, that, that's, that's the point. No, I, I, totally, I totally agree. And, and we were having this chat a little bit earlier on. And again, it's interesting what you've just said there. And I agree. You know, if, if you're part of an elite special club and that, if that's being a British and Irish line, it's being a British and Irish line, that makes it special. So I can sort of understand the argument um, that... You know that that Mark's got here that it could have somehow devalued the lion's shirt. One of the interesting things that I thought about the whole sort of situation is Gatlin knows this, right? He probably understands yeah. that himself. It's for me what I find interesting is it's all about winning. It's yeah. all about success. So let's be honest: the the guys that come that are coming in. Uh, the, these these sort of last minute sort of re- replacements are coming in to help out with this sort of mid midweek game, yeah. and there's a very 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 small possibility that they'll actually end up in the test games. It's possible, but there's a small possibility, arguably. There's the a high possibility, um, if not probability, that three probably three of them at least will wear the shirt on on Tuesday. Though. On on Tuesday, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and I understand that, but again, we look back at the actual game. If like like you say about the supporters and everything else, I'm I I'm, I wonder. I sort of ask the question: Would would Mark or other people that, that speak about it be as upset about the whole situation in four weeks' time if the Lions win the series? Oh no, know? not at and all. That, and and if, that's the that's the sort of thing that I find interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, it's a complete you know outcome biased as uh, you know association because. If Gatlin wins this series, no one will care anything about what he's done. And to a certain extent, yes, that uh, you can say that this is an irrelevance. It will never be an irrelevance to people who, who have played and, and who have feel 
a certain um, proprietorial an affinity uh, with, an the affinity whole, with yeah, it. Understood. But, yeah, but in the wider scheme of things, no, I understand it doesn't matter. All I would say is this, is you could have had the same result, i.e. getting six players to sit on the bench. Um, and funnily enough, six, six players who are probably of better quality and done it a different way. Because if he'd have said right from the beginning of the tour, I'm going to do this and I'm doing this, then everyone would have... They'd have had this argument a long time ago. Of course. And we'd have forgotten it by now. Yeah, it's not you're right. Happen. You're right. And also, if you, for example, let's just say uh, Danny Kerr. Yeah. You know, who is arguably, you know, I think was, might have been, and that his forming uh, Argentina's been really good. Joe Launchbury is another one. I, Devin I, Turner. I, I, I totally you yeah, could yeah, have. Yeah. You could have said to their national coaches um, after their first test, instead of the second one, um, can you let them go? Therefore, yeah. they get to New Zealand. And this travel thing will, will be irrelevant because they'll have had the week to prepare, like everyone else. And you would have ended up with the same thing, i.e. the bench uh, strengthened, but with better players and no Florey at all. It almost, in some ways, I'm just wondering whether he's done this on purpose to just be niggardly and, and to sort of stir things up and get people talking about another point of view. Cause, a bit of a smoke stream, bit of a house all, of all cards hookers, play. You know, yeah. All hookers are, <laughs> are, they've got a streak of malevolence and nasty people. You know they've got a nasty streak. I, I, I'm glad you. Hookers. I'm glad you said that. Uh, and I just wonder if he's playing around. I mean, with Eddie Jones, Eddie, I mean him and Eddie are, are, are contemporaries. You know, and they've they've clashed a bit before. I wonder if he's doing a bit of a kick. Yeah. Uh, towards because he's going to come back and be Wales coach, so uh, they'll be going towards the World Cup together. Uh, you know, for different sides. I don't know. Yeah, I, I take your point. This is not test relevant, and to that extent, it's not the big thing that everyone's making out. It is. Big in 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 other respects. I just think he could have achieved the same thing without without unnecessarily causing trouble. Which he's now into. Remember, he's having to field these questions now yeah. in the week of a testing. When I'm sure that his his PR team are thinking, you know, we don't want this on the week of a test. Let's, or, or, let's, let's or, move or maybe on. as or maybe you say, does, or know. maybe as you say, it yeah. is a bit of a smokescreen, and he'll be yeah. answering questions about this midweek thing, and people yeah. won't be poking holes in his test selections or, yeah. or whatever else. Exactly. Well, we, we've actually answered now the the the, the question from uh, well, we haven't got a name, but SCB sixteen oh seven. Is it justified for Gatland to pick players based on where they live in the where they are in the world rather than on form? I mean, I jokingly tweeted the best way. You know, if you missed out on the Lions tour, what you ought to be doing is getting on the supporters tour with your boots. Uh, and in fact, uh, Dai Young, I think, uh, Dai Young happened to do that. All things, no, everyone understands in extremis that things happen. We understand that. This just seems to me to have been planned. And, and the other aspect of it was when he was talking about the fact that these guys already know some of the, uh, some of the calls on him. I'm thinking, well, how, how on earth can they know that? And I can only think that they might have been involved down at Celtic Manor when uh, the 12, 12 players just went along. Well, the headshots look pretty good, don't yeah, they? Yeah, so, they do, I mean, that, yeah. that might be the first giveaway. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, it, it is an interesting one. I think if you if you get those you get, the, you get those guys in, I mean, effectively, you know, you use one of the, the terms of, from, the, from the, the playing side of things, you know, bag holders, guys oh. holding bags. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's it's for one, it's it's no good getting upset at the guys who've been called up because no, it's a great opportunity for them. And you know, guys like Simon Taylor, uncapped players, went on, you know, went on, uh, been on Lions tours before. You know, yeah. who knows who's to say one of these guys? Obviously, they're all capped, but it doesn't have a similar kind of success. But yeah. hopefully, they do. But okay, well, we'll, we'll deal with the third question from uh, Ian uh, B. I haven't got the second name, but do the Lions need a creative inside centre, uh, England or fullback Saracens to score? tries in the backs. Well, bearing in mind, neither of us are. 
Although I did play in every position in the backs at school, apart from winger, um, and never really played in the forwards. But uh, neither of us are massively uh, qualified to do this. But we, we can certainly qualify to this extent. What The Lions have been doing some of the hard stuff. They've been getting chances. They've not been putting him away. Support's not quite been there. If you watch the England game uh, at the at both weekends, the last two weekends, people have been supporting, have been getting on, on the right lines. And one of the big things that I think was very noticeable about the All Blacks uh, storming win against, the, against Samoa, irrespective of the fact of the quality of the opposition, was just how many times people had options to offload the ball yeah. They had supporting players. I totally agree with you there. I mean, it makes complete sense. If you look at the, the the strength of what the All Blacks were able to achieve against Samoa was not just the ability to offload, but when the guy was ready to offload, there was a flood of support. There were yeah. numbers to the line, and that was just uh, outstanding. I think it's interesting, uh, uh, Ian's put, the Lions needed creative inside centre, brackets England. I'm guessing... I'm guessing uh, He's probably referring to play, playing Farrell there potentially, or, or fullback Saracens to score the, the tries in the backs. Talking about a player like um, Good, I imagine. I think that's what he's looking at. But you know, like you say, well, possibly Liam Williams next year. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, exactly. But I think I think it's interesting what we we'll talk about that. You know, the All Blacks having those guys flooding with support. Yeah. To had a great game uh, against the Maori, made some good line breaks, and just you sort of look for the support there. Wasn't quite as forthcoming as it was when you saw the All Blacks play against Samoa. Uh, yeah, I think, but but you've played with with Quinns for a long time, and Quinns were the first side in the Premiership to feature an offloading game as part of, you know, the you know not not the final thought that we went into attack. It was one of the first things, of course, and it developed ironically under Dean Richards, which you wouldn't necessarily. Uh, appreciate from his playing days, anyway. Along with the scrum, though, he put a lot Rolling, of importance yeah, in the scrum, didn't Moore, yeah. yeah, and rolling more, yeah. But um, you know, th- this this takes practice. Or uh, if you look at the All Blacks, I'm sure you you see the lines of support that they run. Players are running normal lines where they're running, uh, shadowing the ball. The ball goes left, and they are you know running parallel to the goal line because they're waiting for the breakdown, the tackle to occur. But what what I talk about cheat line is when someone runs in front of the ball. They run in front and they and they anticipate where it might get to if the player makes a break, so that when it does happen, they are instantly on his shoulders. And people wonder, they say, where on earth has he come from? Well, the fact is, he's running a cheat line. Well, yeah, and, exactly. and, and if he gets tackled behind him, he's out I of the game. I don't. I don't like your cynical use of the word <laughs> cheat, there, Brian. I think. I think that. I. I. I, I agree with exactly what you're saying, <laughs> yeah. though, and your observation is accurate. In that, you know, if you, if you, if you, uh, having spoken with uh, Rory Teague. The guy who was obviously coaching the skills and attack with England recently yeah. has just gone to Bordeaux. It's something that they definitely look at doing, and and it's a philosophy of having numbers to the line. Yeah. So you've got lots of players who can potentially receive the ball, re- and leaving it as late as possible to, to time the pass, yeah. making the decision of the defenders a lot harder to do. Yeah. So that cheat line that you speak of, it makes sense that that guy is so flat. What he does yeah. also, he's there for the offload if, he, if the guy then gets through. But he's also, as a defender, you're seeing a guy coming out of your, your peripheral vision. Yes, I suppose so. And, yeah. and you're held for a second, yeah. and that almost opens up the space for somebody else. Yeah. So, again, I think it's been interesting. We, we talk about England. The, 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 reason, I tell you, the reason the word cheat is applied to it is not because he's <laughs> cheating in relation to the law, it's the fact that he's not doing the tracking work. Yeah. Oh, know, OK, I like he's, it. It's he's not, he's not going across line. the back waiting. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. just saying, I'll take the glory. You know, yeah. because I won't do all the hard work and track everybody. I'll just run in front of it, you know, and, 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 and it's a shorter line as well. 
Nothing, uh, nothing wrong with glory, no, right? That's no, absolutely. all right. <laughs> but, uh, I, 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 the, the, but that comes with familiarity and yeah. also the confidence that someone is going to make the break somewhere. But it, but it does, if you have a player that does that each time, you will get support immediately on the inside. Yeah. Um, and then if, if people can work and understand that from the outside, and you saw at the weekend the way in which Brown, you know, it was a fantastic take by Mike Brown, um, from a high ball, and then uh, uh, Piers Francis, who also did the same thing the previous week, George Ford, you know, anticipated the it's, line of it's Brown. The, it's the intuitive reaction yeah. to, yeah. to Brown's change of angle. Yes, he did, yeah. And Very he intuitively late. moved inside. Yeah. So then when Brown was ready to free his arms for that offload, yeah. he's there. And, yeah. that's, and that's, I think, what we're talking about. And I think that's what we saw again. Sonny Bill Williams and Leonard Brown at the, uh, against Samoa, you know, that, they really sort of... Um, Molded that that partnership, and it looks incredibly dangerous. And, yes. and it's having those players being able to read each other that's key in attack. Well, Williams to me is a fascinating character. I mean, not not least he was a New Zealand heavyweight champion for a while, and he played rugby league. But the fact is, if you watch him at all times in the game, when the ball is near him, he is having an influence in the game. Whether it's by dint of him being a decoy that people can't take their eyes off because he's so powerful that if you get a half-arm on tackler on him, he's going to go. Or he's he's making hard yards out of the tackle and dragging people with him. Or he's offloading. Or uh, when he's in defence, he's holding people up. Or he's, or he's over the ball and making a throw and nuisance himself and, and, and effecting turnovers. And he's he's one of these players who, who, you know, if you had a back line of people who are so involved with him uh, as him, you, you will be almost unbeatable because he, he's a presence. All, wherever he is and whatever he's doing when he's near the ball. I totally agree. And, and like you say, he's a, he's a presence. So whatever he does is noticeable. Yeah. You know, you, you, you know you, we mentioned it earlier on when we were talking before the show. We were, we're looking at you know his defensive work where he was getting a holding penalty in that mm. first game, and and he's 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 just a complete outlier in that respect. Mm. You know, whatever. You know, let me might... let me ask you. You we would the, yes, the front fives. Yeah. Bearing in mind the ones we we, we should think we're back going into to our work. comfort zone. Yeah, hey, we, we, we're, 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 we're quite happy now, aren't we? If Perfect. we if we do have Furlong. Uh, um, Jimmy, uh, George, and uh, the, 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 yeah, and the, the four Saris. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the, the the front five with a Saris front five with a, fur, a t- taste of yeah. furlong. Yeah. Now exactly. you've got that. Yeah. Do you think they can do what they have done successfully against the Maoris and the Crusaders against the full All Black team? Well, when you've looked at the front five, I think if I if I look if I look at I mean the first thing is you look at um, Gatland and what team he's going to pick. You know, we all we all know that effectively the the Maori game was a bit of a, a sort of probable team that he was looking at. I think we can safely say now that 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 pack, uh, but the definitely the front five will be starting pretty much give or take. And bearing you, in mind that Alan Wynne Jones is on the bench for the Chiefs game as well. Yeah, yeah. So that um, he might potentially he might potentially be covering. But that that power of perception that they've got now, I'm not sure. Like you say, that they're going to get the same kind of parity. That they that they got against the, uh, the 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 Maori All Blacks, but with Yako Piper refereeing the game against the Maori, awarding penalty tries in yeah. the scrum, he's he's refereeing the first uh, the first test. So if you're yeah. in, if you're the coach there, you're definitely sticking with that tight five. But it's interesting you say you, you look at you look at that tight five. They're bullish. You know, there's, you've got you've got a bullish pack there. Your lineouts taken care of. Your scrums taken care of. Yeah. But if you look at look at the All Blacks. 
I don't think we're going to see the same kind of demolition of, of, of the All Blacks like that you've seen with the Maori. Well, their line-out is very capable, isn't it's, it? It's world-class. Yeah. It's, it's an area of the game that... And you... their locks are both... I think their locks are... You know, as a pairing yeah. in the tight, they do the work, but also they do very good ball at both oh, I mean, I mean, you look at the, look at the work Retallick puts in. And, I mean, yeah. the, the guys... And they see him as a leadership figure, you know. When, yeah. when, they, uh, when the few guys came off the pitch against Samoa, he was captaining the side. But you look at that front row, Moody... Uh, speaking to speaking to Ben Franks uh, down at Irish uh, teammate there, yeah. he's uh, he, he he rates Moody as a pretty decent scrimmage on the loose head side, and obviously his brother he probably he, he probably told me his brother's no good, but uh, we know <laughs> we know that Owen, Owen Franks is, is good as well, and you know you know what the All Blacks are like they've got canny coaches they're yeah. they're smart guys so they'll put in be putting in the work to make sure that that isn't an issue. Yeah, and the other thing is they are a lot of set pieces about concentration certainly in the scrum, you can get caught against a scrum that you've been doing okay against just by the in moments of attention. Someone doesn't quite put it right. You know, and the All Blacks will go. And the other thing is, bear in mind their mistake, their error rate. You don't get that. You don't get as many scrums against the All Blacks. It's, well, exactly right. It's, 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 it's all very well saying we're yeah. going to scrum them off the park. Okay, yeah. you might you might get uh, you might get the odd uh, defensive scrum, yeah. but not not many attacking. Well, I'm really pleased to say we can speak to a dual qualified uh, former Lion 2005 Mark Quaito Salem. England uh, wing for a long time was the leading premiership try scorer. I think he just got overtaken by Tom Vandell, which uh, he won't be pleased about. But anyway, had a stellar career. Mark, good evening. Brian, how are you? I'm all right, mate. Uh, shall we start with England? Um, how impressed or otherwise were you with what they've done out in Argentina? I was, I was massively impressed. I think, uh, I think if I'm being honest, prior prior to the to the tour, I think. Um, I didn't expect them to win, uh, you know, both test matches. I think although, you know, the core of that squad was pretty strong um, and there was a lot of caps, you know, with the likes of Brown, Kerr, Ford, etc. Um, ultimately, it was, it was made up with a lot of a lot of young players, a lot of inexperienced players. And, you know, going down to Argentina these days, you know, I had a, I had a couple of fantastic tours down there back in the day, but you know, it, it, it's a far. Any good stories you want to share? <laughs> a few good stories that, that I can't tell on the radio. Oh, yeah, I've got I've got several of those from Argentina as well, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but these days, you know, I think since they've been involved in the uh, in the Tri Nations and stuff, you know, they've they've just improved massively. Um, so you know, to see the lads win two 0 um, over there is. Is, is really encouraging. I think encouraging, um, you know, Eddie, Eddie Jones has just been unbelievable since he's, since he's took over the job. He's, he's done an incredible job. Mark, and, quick question. with you, You're talking about the players that they've got there. Do you think the the ability of having the spine of the team, you could be pretty much mentioned if, you know, quite a few of them there, in, in, in your, your, you know, your hooker, your nine, ten with Ford as well, and you said Brown as well with the caps. Do you think that's been a, a, a sort of crucial part in enabling some of the younger guys to come on and, and make a positive impact? De- definitely. Um, I think when you've when you've got the the strength in the in the in the bulk like that, um, you know, you can always add one or two so-called inexperienced guys. Um, you know, and as long as they've showed the form and they've got the talent, then they're generally gonna gonna slip in. And, and if anything, you know, they're they're gonna step up a level. They're gonna step up a gear with playing with guys um, like that in an international setup. I think if you know, if it wasn't for those players that we've that we've mentioned and the experience that 
that they've got at international level, then it, it makes it really difficult when you when you're sort of blooding younger players. Um, yeah. But uh, but no, certainly those, those boys, you know, and it had been it been a difficult tour for some of them lads as well. Yeah. You know, they'll they'll have been expect not expecting, but they'll have been hopeful um, of of sneaking on a Lions tour. Um, you know, yeah, that's certainly true, guys right? like yeah, certainly guys like Brown and yeah. Care and yeah. Launchbury. Yeah, you know, there's been so much talk about these lads, so it had been, you know, relatively, or it, you could have understood it for them to go over to Argentina and just be, you know, slightly below uh, below the right level to perform. Well, out Mark, there. I mean, you but talk about ab- you you talk about Eddie Jones. I mean, uh, uh, I played against Eddie. Um, uh, that's how far we go back. But he, but he was quite clear to me when I asked him about it. You know, because I said, "What are you expecting from these guys?" And he said, uh, "Our mate, uh, they can stamp up." He said, "There's a reason, you know, they're not they're not going. They're not good enough. They've got to work on one aspect of the game." And he was he was straight out with it. Um, so he didn't, you know, he expected this. But uh, that leads us on to a you know to another topic. Several of those players might have been out there um, if they'd have been asked sort of a week ago after the first test to go, rather than uh, than being you know picked because they happen to be in Australia or New Zealand. What's your you know you're a lion. What what's your what are your thoughts? There's been a lot of Stuff about this. Um, I have my own views. I just wonder. I'd like to hear yours. I'm I'm really mixed opinion with it. I I completely agree with with the argument that you you know you should never get selected for a Lions or for any for any level of rugby really at, at this sort of level. What we're talking about, but yeah. particularly Lions, you shouldn't you shouldn't get selected on geography. But you know, my my opinion is at the end of the day. Warren Gatlin's the boss, and whoever he wants to pick, yep. he picks. Yep. It's down to him, and he and he stands by that decision. Yep, that's true. And I think, and I think, you know, we saw it in the previous tour when he picked, um, you know, Christian Wade, probably probably a different sort of animal in that he was on he was on fire at the time, so nobody really had any sort of arguments with it. But he he picked Christian Wade, he picked Shane Williams because of of whatever location he was in. But yeah. obviously, you know, those two guys are, are slightly different sort of conversations. But yeah. I think I think ultimately it just you know, coaches are human beings and yeah. for whatever reason, you know, Joe Launchbury's the standout one, isn't he? Oh, Joe Launchbury, Dylan Dylan Hartley, you know, these boys have got to be absolutely sick. But I think, you know, and I'm sure you guys agree, at, at some point along your career there's been a time when you've expected to get picked yeah. and you just never get picked. You yeah. just don't get picked and it's just sport and it's just life. So, so, do, you you know, so, so. Do, you, do you think that you've got this sort of opinion that, you know what, I kind of I see where, he, where he's coming from in a way is because of your experiences in sport and also because of your experiences of realising and being environments where basically the bottom line is if you win, everyone goes it's great. If you don't win, yeah. everyone will point the finger. A little bit, a little bit. I think... You know, you, you you grow a lot wiser when you when you retire and you you're in the so-called real <laughs> you're in the so-called real Isn't that world the truth, and, yeah. and and you come out of that bubble yeah. and you know that cotton wool is dropping off you at a, at a rate or not. <laughs> but I I, I certainly one hundred percent agree with the people that are talking about you know it's crazy to pick people on geography, but I just I just think he's almost I feel that he's used that as his reasoning, but yeah. ultimately. He's just picked players that he wants to pick, regardless of where they're at. Yeah, and, and players, do you think players that he knows as well because he knows some of those yeah, guys and he yeah, knows them. He knows what yeah. they'll be able to provide. Yeah, I think again, human nature. You go with people you know. You mm. know, that's, you know, in two thousand and five, I was over there with the Lions in 05. 
England weren't particularly strong in the Six Nations, but you know, off the back of Clive, knowing a lot of the English boys, he, he went with a lot of English players in that squad. So, right. it, you know, yeah. it's, it's it's human nature. We pick mm. people we know. And well, for whatever reason it is, he just doesn't seem to fancy, you know, yeah. uh, Joe Launchbury is the obvious crazy decision, but, but Dylan Hartley. But again, yeah. I remember playing for England and every, every year in the Six Nations when England played Wales, Warren Gatland would pick out Dylan Hartley in the press and, and create a bit of a storm yeah. around Dylan. So yeah. you know, there's obviously something there that he doesn't yeah. that he doesn't like, and he's, yeah. he's, it doesn't matter how many teams, squads, tours he goes on, he's not going to pick yeah. certain players, and yeah. that's just that's just sport and that's yeah. just life, you know. Well, Mark, um, the uh, let, let's move move this on with all a, a decent sound it because when you come to pick the team, one of the areas which before the before the tour I didn't think they have a problem with, um, but the actual performances on the tour have made it much more difficult because no one has stepped up as we thought it was. Has been the back three. It's been really difficult. Uh, what, what, uh, you know, you, you, you've played so many times there. What, uh, can you get give us any insight into it or, or how you think? Well, uh, who are I your think, wingers? Who would my wingers be? And uh, <laughs> uh, like you just say, you know, prior, you know, once the squad got named and prior to them leaving, my my back three would have been. Liam Williams on one wing. I'd have had Jack Noel on the other wing, yeah. and I've had I would have had Stuart Hogg at fullback. Mm-hmm. But then, obvious now, now we've got Hogg out for obvious reasons. Hogg's out. Yeah, Hogg's out. Liam Williams hasn't had a great tour so far. He's mm. he's, he's picked up a, a yellow card. Yeah, Jack <laughs> Noel struggled a little bit. So you know, from that point of view, you know, everyone everyone sort of pointing at George Noel being being an automatic, and 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 again for me. An absolutely incredible player in the past, but you've got to argue it's in the last twelve while, months. In the last twelve months, he's not played well, yeah. and you so, know the game on the game on Tuesday is you know he's given a try away there, and it was a schoolboy error. That I know yeah, the conditions are tough, etc. But from a from a guy of his quality and his experience, he shouldn't be sliding on the ball like that and knocking it on and, and giving a try away. So yeah. you know how can you look at him as being your you're shooing for, for the wing spot. So um, who have you the got then? Match. Wings. Let's talk wings. Because <laughs> half, let's, let's be honest, half penny's probably, based on his performances, half penny, yeah. penny's been all right. Would you agree with that? Do you think half penny at fullback? I, th- I think, again, pri- prior to the tour, would he have been in my test team? Probably not. But then I think off the back of the performance at the weekend and obviously this uncertainty around Owen Farrell, um, you know, yeah. I think with his, with his performance and particularly his goal kicking Correct, on Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. I think... You know, right, right here, right now. If we're picking a squad, you'd, you'd have to put him in a fullback, I think. Yeah. Um, and wings. And then, and then in in terms of wings, I'd I'd probably, although form hasn't sort of gone that way, um, I'd I'd probably go with with Williams and, and Noel again. Um, I think for me, North just just doesn't look, um, you know, on top of his game. I think. I think Anthony Watson, although yeah. he's done relatively well, I think um, I'd, I'd, I'd probably stick him on the bench because he can cover wing and fullback. Yeah, yeah, that's smart. Um, so I'd probably, I'd probably go with Noel and Williams. Oh, interesting. And and half penny, yeah. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, the interesting thing is because Williams is going to play fullback against the Chiefs and Noel, the you, you're almost in Gatlin's mind, you, you're almost ruling those out. I, you know, I asked you about uh, about your choices, so no problem about that. The, I, I think you know, I think 
he's got a lot of lo- loyalty to North. I mean, he's been through a long, a long period with him um, as a Welsh coach. I think yeah, the eight years he's been there, he's probably coincided with 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 North arriving as a youngster and and continuing. I just wonder. If he's hoping that actually, when the big game comes well, down, that he's, he's going to pull it all to out. Sort of make that observation. Everyone, everyone knows the images of uh, George, George North in a lion shirt in, yeah. in Australia. What yeah. he managed to achieve there. So whether that's a part of it, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I think, I think, I think there's always, you know, so-called sort of credit in the bank, isn't there? And I yeah. think, you know, certainly, you know, if you're going back to four years and and what he was doing in a Welsh shirt and what he did in in a lion shirt in Australia, you know. It, 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 you'd be crazy not to pick him, um, but as I mentioned, you know it's it's not yes. like he's he's been off form for a for a week or two or a month. You know he's mm. he's not played a played a huge amount of rugby for for Saints for Northampton with with obviously his HIA issues and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And then yeah. you know fortunately and thankfully, um, you know he has managed to get himself fit and, and back playing week in week out, but just just hasn't shown. The old, the old North form. <laughs> it's crazy to say the old North form when he's still only 25 or whatever he is. Yeah. But you know, he um, he just doesn't look on on top of his game. But maybe, maybe Warren will. Uh, I tell you what's stand, interesting. Stand to, what's interesting to me is, given the conditions that that we've had, and 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 let's fra- let's face it. You know, we all know what time of year it is in New Zealand. You might have, and the way that the Lions have played, especially with Murray and his, you know, his his, his tactical kicker, maybe Sexton, whatever. There was a bit. There would have been a big case for picking some of the island back three because they are the chasers par excellence in terms of, you know, in terms of a, you know an attacking kicking game. But it seems to me that they're going to have to make that up as they go along. And I, do, I, do you think it uh, again? Do you think it might be a reason why some of the guys we're speaking about, you know, who if you put them on a hard track, uh, you know, playing an open type of game. You know the the, the guys like um, I'm sorry, not, not necessarily uh, North uh, now. Guys like now who've got that footwork and everything else. Do you think that might be why they they potentially haven't been able to showcase their their talent, uh, Mark? Maybe, maybe, but you know, it's, I think that is probably you know making excuses a little bit. I okay. think for me, and one of the things that I love about Jack is is his work rate. Yeah. And you know, I remember watching him in the the semi final of the Premiership when they beat Saracens down at um, at Sandy Park, and there was that period of play where I think he made a tackle in midfield. He, you know, he jackled on the ball, didn't quite get the ball, but then he got up and he got back and corner flagged and made a, a try saving tackle in the corner. And you know, whether it's hard, whether it's dry, whether it's wet, whether it's windy or whether it's cold or whatever. It, those sort of things, it, it doesn't affect your game. You can still get involved the in the game. Still you can, there, yeah. You can still work, you know. So, so from from that point of view, I, I wouldn't say. I don't think it has. It probably would stifle more of an Anthony Watson than maybe a Jack Knoll. Yeah. I think he is more of a an out and out sort of racehorse yeah. as opposed to a you know a nitty gritty grafting sort of like winger. A bit more like a young Brian Moore in his prime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let's let's no leave me out of this. I, Mark, I'm pleased to see that uh, you're obviously uh, getting on with retirement because it's not an easy thing to come down to. But thanks very much for joining us as always. No problem. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Mate. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, time to move focus in terms of position and country because we can now speak to the former Wales and Ospreys prop, Duncan Jones. Duncan, good evening. Good evening, how are we all? I'm not too bad. Uh, 
What have you thought of the scrimmaging performances from the Lions so far? Yeah, I think, you know, a lot's been spoken about the reading. It always does come down to interpretation, I think, more than ever, you know, with the, the current rules in the scrums, yeah. you know, different refs, different hemispheres. But I think they've certainly, you know, built um, as the as the games have gone on. Um, I still think, you know, scrummaging, you know, is never perfection. They've had a couple wrong and they've got penalised, you know, they've been pushed off it. Yeah. But then I think, you know, it's just gone on, I think, especially in the last game, you know, against the Maui, where they really had up a hand, I think, you know, you can see the effect that has in the game. And I think, you know, as they've spent more time together, got used to working as a unit, I think, you know, they are starting to gain the upper hand, probably as the majority of us thought they would at the start. Who do you think will start at hooker? Ken, Ken Owens or, or, or Jamie George or Rory Best? Oh, it was unlikely um, to be Rory Best, but yeah. but, but of the two, probably Ken and, and, uh, and Jamie George. I was thinking, looking at it, you know, from, from the outset, I, I'd say they probably... I think Ken will probably start. Um, you know, I think just probably for, you know, technically a little bit more um, experience there in the scrum. Uh-huh. I think, you know, being in and around that he's captained, you know, one of the teams in, in midweek. So I think, you know, they'd probably start with Ken and I think, you know, the impact um, George makes, you know, when he comes on, I yes. think that, you know, will will be the huge difference. And I think more than ever now, Test Match Rugby is really about that 23-man effort and, you know, you can see the impact the bench can have to really turn things. Well, that is an interesting point of view because I was... You know, I was saying the uh, the same with someone like uh, Sinclair. You you've got a choice, haven't you? Do you, mm. do you do you do you wait for the impact to come, um, and or do you try and get on top to start within the scrum? You know, because there's a case for saying if you want to get on top, you know, as a really scrummaging thing, you might have to look at Marler and Cole because they're really solid. They don't give you as much around the field, but you know, you might stay in a game and you bring players on. But then you're starting to think, well, actually. Well, we want to get into uh, New Zealand straight away, and uh, it's a, it's a, it's an unusual thing. Which knowing you know knowing Gatland, do you think he will be looking for the stability first, or or is he going to take a chance on that and say actually I'm looking for players to do more damage elsewhere, and they just have to hold on in the scrum because we're not going to have that many scrums. Yeah, I think I think that's the difficulty. I think in, in other positions, you probably you know you go with that where there's not that direct effect. But I yeah. think you can see, you know, scrum wise, sometimes it could be a three, six, nine, and yeah. before you know it, you know, you're away. So I think that's what it's hard to judge. Yeah. You know where his mindset would be at. Um, like I say personally, I think you know you may as well just go at it from the off. But like you say, in terms of if if the game plan is going to be trying to get a dominant driving line out, um, you yeah. know, set these three points, would you then? You know, sometimes, you know, in the Northern Hemisphere, accused that, you know, the scrum isn't looked at a way of restarting a game. It's actually looked at a way of uh-huh. gaining three points, gaining field position. So I suppose it depends, you know, what his mindset is that. Is it going to be, we're going to get field position, chance for three points, or as you say, whether it's a case of there's not going to be many scrums in the game, it's a way to restart the game. So I think that's probably where the balance lies. Do you think with um, the the way that the, the, the referees have, have refereed things so far, you referenced just earlier on about the difference in hemispheres. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know that uh, Yako Piper is going to be refereeing the first test. He did the Maori game. Um, yeah. How did you see the way he refereed the scrum and how do you think that's going to help or hinder the Lions and, and the way that the uh, the All Blacks scrummage? 
I think, you know, having, being a front row is just really, probably there's a lot of work and analysis gone into the refs, you know, having had them now, so they'll know what is expected. So, you know, I don't think anyone's going to get caught cold there. I think, you know, we probably allowed a little bit more of a contest in there. There was a couple of scrums which were pre-engaged, but, you know, when you look, watch the, uh, the Crusaders play, I know we, uh, the ref who ref that, they really picked the Crusaders up about transferring weight early prior yeah, to engagement. Yeah. So I think, you know, that ref's mindset was more of, you know, let's get in. It's going to be a push-in contest, not so much around the technicalities of how they ended up in the scrum. Yeah. Yeah. So I think you're going to see a little bit more of a contest in terms you, of that. Do you think as well, obviously the, the the other two tests, the referees are French. They tend yeah. to sort of, you know, just generally speaking, just award the team going forward. Do you think yeah. there's a big difference between that and what we've seen in the other in the other games and, and with Jacob Piper potentially? Um, I think it's probably... A little bit different, yes, but I suppose from a New Zealand viewpoint, having watched a lot of the games, you know, they have got a strong scrum, yeah. but I think, you know, you see they strike the ball at eight feet very quickly. I can't see, you know, and they may try it's a psychological edge, you know, keep the ball in and really try and hammer that home. I can't see them changing doing that, whereas, you know, as I said, depending, you know, what the Lions are thinking, they may try to keep the ball in a bit longer, and if they can get that nudge going forward, I mean, you know, if you look at that penalty try, he was on the second one, he was yeah. given... Um, and, you know, you could probably pick up, you know, ten, five or ten different offences. Um, but the scrum going forward, I think, you know, nowadays, especially with the French, is predominantly rewarded. Well, I think I, I think the, the New Zealand mindset now at the moment is they've got so many destructive backs that they think, actually, let's just get this out because we're fairly confident that we're going to make a lot of ground, you know, if not, if not scoring in fives and sevens uh, rather than threes. And we, we back our... You know our backs to do that. I think the, the the point you've already identified to me is the biggest one. I think you're absolutely right about that. It's very uh, prescient. Is talking about the pre-engagement because I know talking to Nigel Owens on this show nearly every week that the the, the Northern Hemisphere referees, for whatever reason, they have got into their minds about, and I think for good reason actually. Uh, some occasions you're the pre-engage, um, which to me is is shoving the ball before the ball comes in. They are big and hot on that now. Um, yeah. They are they are looking at that in a way that. I don't think it bothers the Southern Hemisphere as much, actually, provided um, the ball comes out in orderly fashion. Uh, and that, that is a more technical offence. But the thing about the All Blacks as well is, they're, for me, they're very clever players. If they get caught a couple of times doing something, they'll stop doing it. Uh, you know, they're not, they're, they're not dull that way. They, they, they are interesting. In, you mentioned the, the driving, the driving line-out. Do you think that the, all, that, that the All Blacks can be put under significant pressure by the lines in that aspect? Look, I think any team that, that, that sets up a driving line-out, it is quite a difficult thing to stop. You know, if it can be yeah. set up, if it can be done correctly. Now, like you say, sometimes the difficulty in New Zealand is, as you said, you know, they're pretty smart in and around it. And there's more than one ways to stop things. Um, so if something doesn't work, you know, I could see them changing. I think you could see the Maori tried a little bit, stepping back off, maybe going with a one-man tackle on it. They weren't quite as effective as probably you'd expect you know, New Zealand to be but you know, I think when you play in most teams, you know, you think about, well, if we can get our jobs right, if we do our bit, you know, then it's going to be pretty difficult to stop. And actually, I think if they get good field position, I think, you know, it can be somewhere where, you know, they can really look to, you know, to make some yards. Do you think with the, the, you said again, the the, the Maori tried to step off. uh, And Mm. one thing I noticed in the game as well, there are quite a lot of choke tackles going on from from the Maori. Do you think these are things that the, the that the All Blacks coaches have been feeding in to try out against the Lions, just to see how that how they react to things? What do you think about that? 
Um, I think if you probably just look at, you know, rugby in general evolves, you know, quite quickly and seems often filter down from the top. Um, I, I wouldn't say whether it may be, a, you know, a directive just to go in after the choke props. You know, they've identified a couple of the Lions party as party with a ball up high, but I think... Um, certainly going away, like a few years ago when the chop tackle was, you know, the fashionable one when, you know, people were going really at the ankles, you know, trying to get them down, trying yeah. to get over the ball. Yeah. I think, you know, sort of rugby as uh, changing a little bit now and I think you see a lot more teams sort of going uh-huh. up after the ball, um, you know, trying to slow it, trying to reef it out. So I think, you know, maybe just a general change in you know, sort of defensive styles. Well, is that a conspiracy we've got going? We think that uh, <laughs> we, we think that it's come from on high in the New Zealand rugby union and getting to do different tactics in each each thing. But yeah, no, well, it's, it's a valid say, point you make. As an ex-prop, I'm you know, props. I don't think outside the bubble. You know, oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly. <laughs> Fantastic. No, I mean, I, th- I think I think it's all pretty. What do you think about the the front five being uh, from the weekend? Four of them being from Saracens. Do you do you see that as a as a sort of good positive thing? Uh, um, look, you know, I think that's reward probably for, you know, the the season, you know, Saracens have had, how they've gone as a forward pack. Um, but as you said, you know, when you're, you're trying to gel aside and, you know, that is, you know, a hugely important part of the Lions, you know, feeling part of a team, being part of it. But sometimes, you know, having those combinations who play together when the pressure's on, you, you know, you just sort of know instinctively, you know, sort of what they do a little bit more when it comes yeah. to set-piece stuff, you know, how they like to be bound on, you know, sort of what angle they slightly take, you know, all those little things do make, um, you know, a big difference. But, you know, they, like you say, they probably deserve their place or merit and they just happen to be, you know, out of um, the same club. Duncan, uh, fascinating, tremendous insight. Thank you very much, mate. Hey, no worries at all. Enjoy the rest. Good to speak. QBE Business Insurance principal partner of the British and Irish Lions. I'm very pleased to say that we can now speak to the former All Black and Highlander back row who also played for Leicester and I think now he's coaching uh, at Coventry. It's Craig Newby. Craig, good evening. You go, Brian. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Now, uh, the All Blacks don't fear people. That's a silly thing to say. Uh, but will they have any concerns about what they've seen from, from say, the Lions pack for a start-off? Oh, for sure. Though, like you say, they wouldn't, they won't fear, but uh, they'll have plenty of respect and um, for their Lions side. And, and they, you know, their Lions are building nicely. Uh, the performance against the Marys, particularly the, the Ford Pack, was was pretty impressive against mm-hmm. uh, a pretty strong Mary side. So the All Blacks will be, um, you know, certainly doing their homework and, and respectful of what the Lions are, you know, and potentially throw at them. Now, what did, if you were uh, were Gatland and you've seen how? How they've gone? Um, is there anything you would do, bearing in mind that your knowledge of the All Blacks, that you would you, you would you would change from the way they've approached the game so far? Um, I think the first couple of games they were just finding their feet and working combinations and, and pushing forward to to getting their best 20, 25 players for the test matches. But you sort of look in the last two two matches, the way they played against the Highlanders and the Marys, the style they're looking for box kicks with with good line speed up the middle and, and cutting off half the field um, to to try and limit the counterattacking ability of those teams. So I think that's probably the blueprint they'll go in. They'll look um, look to continue to build on their set piece stuff, the scrum and their and their, their line out driving and um, so I, I think. Yeah. So with 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 uh, that side of things, obviously the tight stuff's incredibly important. That's an, a massive strength of the of the lines so far that we've seen. Quick question: Reed, we're assuming is going to be coming back in. 
to start at eight because obviously he's he's one the, probably the best person in the way that he plays number eight in the world. Yeah. If you look at the uh, the rest of the back row, you've got Kane and Kano there, who who've been starting recently, and Severe has been playing at eight. Would you stick with Kano and uh, Kane with Reed, or would you maybe have a look at, uh, at having Severe there? In, in place of Kano, potentially, what do you think about the battle options that New Zealand have? I think um, I think with Jerome Kano and, and Sam Kane, and, and then when Kira Reed comes back, I think that's a fantastically balanced back row. You know, you've got uh, Kano can he's the defender, he's hard, he's he's the you know, he, he runs hard straight lines, but offloading Sam Kane just works and works and works. He's very clever, yeah. very good over the wall. He's his contact points. You know, for me, with or without the ball, are fantastic. I mean, Curry's obviously just a special player, offloading ability, yeah. playing like an outside tenor. So I wouldn't change that. Um, Seardi Severe is a long-term... He's going to be a long-term all-black. He's going to be a fantastic... He'll play a lot of test matches. Um, he could be the kind of guy that can come off the bench for the last 20, 25 minutes and just take... You know, take I, a firing I, I, I also... I also suppose the fact that he can cover all three back positions in that back row, given that he's been given some recent experience at eight, it makes him uh, make, put, puts him in a perfect position to have that bench spot, right? Yeah, he does. I guess he's probably, probably not suited to blindside flanker. I know the way the All Blacks um, like to play with their blindside flanker. He likes to be a defensive leader. He likes to be uh, someone a little bit more structured, but works within a, within a role where Adi Sevea is the kind of player who who just... Because of his skill set, he, he gets around the field. He, he pops up in all sorts of positions. So I think he probably suits seven that role where he can just chase the ball and find the ball on attack uh, and defence. Where skills are number eight or his, his pace and, and getting those positions. So I, I don't think he'd be a fine side bank option for me. I think uh, Hanson and the boys will have something else up their sleeve with it. It's, uh, whether that's Barrett or I'm not sure who the other six options would really be. Yeah. Uh, Craig, I, I, try and clear this up for us because we were um, discussing why it is that when New Zealand make uh, line breaks, they seem to have support on hand inside and out very quickly in a way that the Lions haven't managed yet. Um, is it just a case of them being familiar and anticipating who will make the breaks or is it the you know running lines from set plays where people will actually run in anticipation of of the break and some people will run behind to clear stuff up, or you know or is it a combination? What was your explanation for the for the way they managed to to to, to achieve that? Yeah, it is. It is. I don't think it's a coincidence that the All Blacks finish off line breaks because of those support lines. I think it's anticipation. Um, I think they've also multi you know multi skilled players so props and you know they're, they're not worried too much about who's going to be scrum half or who's going to be clearing up they just everyone just does those roles so you look at the uh the all blacks or the halfbacks you know dj Peronara, probably the best in the world it is it's just that fat, the old school fat man strength he just runs that anticipation line and aaron smith does the same and i think they're just because the All Blacks do make line breaks, they're probably trained that way. They're probably playing loads of conditioning games and decision-making based games, and, and it'll be, you know, like... I mean, Perinara's <laughs> been outstanding, hasn't he, when he's come on? I mean, oh. what what a player to have as, as your number two nine. I mean, world-class. He is world-class. I'd have him as my number one nine, um, just on, uh-huh. on the current form. 
he's someone I think where you look at the Lions, got Reese Webb, who's playing, plays that same sort of role. I think he could, you know, add something to the to the Lions, you know, in and around behind that ruck that yeah. uh, that Murray doesn't quite have. What about the uh, the the New Zealand back three? Because again, you've got uh, almost embarrassment of riches. Uh, maybe Surveyor hasn't played quite as well as you know you, you you expect him to you know for his own high standards. Can you see many many uh, changes there? Um, I, you're right. There's, there's an embarrassment of riches really in New Zealand rugby out in the, in the back three, but I think they'll pick uh, the guys who can deal with those high the high kicks yep. best and look for to, to nullify that as a, as a weapon from the line. So yep. I think probably Israel Dag Ben Smith. Um, and probably severe. The guys that started much. against Samoa, yeah, the, the, those same guys are pretty, pretty pretty good at that in that area, aren't they? I think so. Um, you know, Samoa didn't put them under that much pressure with the kicking game, but you know, historically, those guys' skill set there is very strong. Uh, Naholo, who played for the Highlanders, uh, you know, he'll be in and around there. His, his aerial skills are really strong. Do you think? Uh, do you think Naholo's uh, been a bit hard done by? Obviously, everyone saw his performance uh, in, in in the mid midweek game. Uh, I mean, what a what a cracking performance it was! So physical with ball in hand. Do you think he's been a bit hard done by not to be sort of starting in in that last game or maybe involved in in, in the coming match? No, not really. I think um, because he played that game for the Highlanders, you know, that, that's his opportunity to play against the Lions and get some um, you know that that level of intensity. Before the test matches, he'll, I'd say he'd be involved in the, in the 22. Um, I mean, he's outstanding, isn't he? He is outstanding, and I, I think the performance he put in against the Lions is probably. I know it was Tommy Seymour at a poor, you know, sort of a poor day at the office, but I think that kind of performance will probably fair, you know, put some fear into uh, the Lions. So you know, he might even start, um, but he, he was was a dominant display. Uh, Craig, everyone, every uh, Kiwi I've spoken to. Uh, without exception, some more bullish than others, and some, you know, flatly uh, not even embarrassed about it. Have said three uh, nil. Can you? Are you going to demur from that? Huh. Oh, I think as a Kiwi living in England, I'd probably enjoy three nil um, <laughs> for the next twelve years. But I, I, I don't think it's going to be three nil. I, I think the first test becomes really important. Um, yeah. I think the All Blacks will get better in the series, so that first test. I know it's, everyone says you got to win that first test, but I think the Lions—that's their best opportunity to get yeah. to, to get to get a, a win. I think um, if they can throw everything into it, and I know they will, and try and get that first win, and then the, sec- the second and third one, you know, just become so much yeah. more important for, for the side that hasn't won that. But yeah. um, I, I can see the Lions winning a test match. Um, which one? I, I don't know. I couldn't predict that. But well, it might have uh, to be Wellington because the old. I mean, the, I mean, the significant thing you play two tests at Eden Park where the All Blacks are very, very strong. You know, it becomes psychological as well. It makes it. Uh, it makes it extremely difficult. Yeah, that's smart from from New Zealand. You know, it is. Like, it's no, not smart from the Lions accepting that. I don't know why they accepted that, but that's the way it goes. Craig, mate. I guess, I guess for the size of the stadium there, that Eden Park oh, holds yeah. over sixty thousand. Of so. course. Yeah. You know, the, the, the benefit financially for the New Zealand Rugby Union now, I'm assuming the Lions are getting something out of the store. Um, you know, those, those stadium filling people in seats and that is yeah. pretty important. OK, well, Craig, we won't have long to, uh, to wait, but uh, interesting as always. Thanks very much, mate. Good night. No worries. Thank you very much. Uh, we, uh, I tell you, it's always... 
Every Kiwi I've spoken to, deep down, they are very, very confident. Oh, 100%. I think, it, it, I think they're very polite. Yeah, yeah. But, I, um, you know, I know that's, that's nice of them. But I, I suppose it, you know, it comes when you look at the record like they've got at Eden Park, where they haven't lost since, what, 74? 94, rather. 94. Um, you know, that's just... It's depressingly justifiable, isn't it? Yes, that's the, that's the reality. But know. the thing is, you know, it does, it does, it does. You can get to the stage where, if you're familiar with Grounds Warrior, it does actually give you a comfort factor that is tangible in a way that you might not think it, it's that relevant because it's not like football where you have a screaming mob, you know, against you when you play away and and similar for you when you play at home. And New Zealand crowds are quite quiet and notoriously because they actually watch the game and. And are quite interested, you know. They they don't judge passion by you know their willingness to assault people or um, their it's willingness. The, it's their culture, isn't yeah, it? They're very direct. Exactly. But they don't need to talk about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I understand the commercial imperative, but you know, if you're talking about a pure rugby one, it might have been nice for Alliance to say, no, we want to spread the game, <laughs> and uh, we want to, you know, we want to do a cake tin and maybe down. To Dunedin, uh, yeah. you know, for another one, but but it's going to be difficult anyway. Uh, let's get an Irish point of view uh, from this, a former Ireland and also look uh, Dan to it. Dan, hello, mate. How you doing, Brian? How you doing, George? Hey, how's it going? Um, Good, mate. Let's get st- stuck in straight to the uh, the front five. Um, we've been looking um, at the way Warren Gatland has named the Chiefs and one of you, and so on. That it might be for the Five might be from Saracens with uh, with Tay Furlong um, making the t- tight head side. If that were to be the case, do you think that would be justified on the form so far, or would you have liked to have seen other people in there? The only real difference I would say from that is probably Alan Wynne Jones. I thought um, George would be able to allude to this as well. I think the second row is quite a hotly contested area. I'd actually given it a thought earlier, and I completely forgot even Courtney Mills was on tour <laughs> before. Yeah. Before, I, which is just madness. But yeah. um, I think I think the performance George Cruz has done calling the lineups. I think he's been very, um, very solid in that area. Obviously, Mario Toji um, offers everything we know he does. But I certainly you touched on earlier on the show about impacts off the bench. Yeah, I think Alan Wynne Jones' experience, a hundred plus level caps. Um, and and Cruz calling the line out for me. That's the combination that works well. Like like you did say, obviously with Mako and Jamie George playing, that would make four out of the five, and obviously that makes it a lot more um, sort of much more confident with each other's company. But I think with Alan and Jones slotting how, in there, I think, how much, I think three out of the five. How much do you, importance do you place on the fact? Because we talk about four out of the five guys. Obviously, Ken Owens is mm. a great hooker as well. How much importance uh, would you place upon the hooker and the line-out caller? Having a great relationship, so you just said there you'd want uh, Alan Wynn with uh, with Cruz in there, mm. and assuming that George is at then at hooker, you've still got that Cruz George relationship. What kind of importance would you uh, place on that yourself from your own experience? For me personally, it's massive because um, when you are back up against a wall, or you're looking for an exit line out, or you're looking for that big play, and you need it to come yeah. from the line out, you've just got that. You've got those reps. You. George and Cruz could have had two and a half thousand reps this season yeah. throughout their whole relationship together. One look, one nod, whatever it might be, he's got the confidence in Cruz and Cruz has got the confidence in George. If he's asking him to pull out a real tough throw at the back of the line-out when it's a little bit windy and rainy, yeah. 
they just know that combination. And you guys know yourself, it's so integral. And that's why I think those two boys will work together. And it goes, it goes all the way through the team, Connor Murray, Johnny Sexton. It yeah. just works. It just works. So conversely, if Alan Wynne-Jones were to, to be there, that, that makes the case for Owens quite uh, you know, strong, strong as well, yeah. doesn't it? Absolutely. And, and that could certainly be the case. Uh, if Alan Wynne-Jones plays at four, Cruz, Cruz comes off, Atoji comes on, Alan Wynne Jones then goes to call in the lineups and Ken Owens comes on yep. and throws to Alan Wynne Jones. Yep. It just has that fluidity that sort of works well together. Uh, obviously, it might not be the case, but I certainly think if I was picking a team, um, I certainly would go that way just yep. for familiarity, especially for the first test. Well, look, let's look at the, uh, from, from your experience in the lineup. The, the All Black second row pairing, I think, is absolutely crucial to their team. It's no coincidence to me that when Ireland. You know, magnificent win uh, in Soldier Field. You know, they were they were locked down. Um, there was a great performance, but those two are very significant players for them, not just in the set, but all, but all all round. Do you think whichever combination the Lions uh, how uh, pulls out, how do you think they'll fare against them? Jeez, they're going to struggle. Those two boys, I've had the displeasure of playing against them. They are so yep. special, and they're a real real pair. Really, what, really what, what is what is particularly good about them? What what struck me is how how fit they were. They're not the biggest, you know. They're clearly not the strongest. They're not massively into the gym, but they were so fit at 65, 70 minutes. There was you see the passes they're doing against Samoa. They stand in at first receiver. They can do those passes and make those decisions. 70, so, 75 minutes into a test match. So you'd say it's their ability to be able to function at the real highest level under absolute fatigue. They just keep going. Yeah, and the decision-making skill is incredible. I mean, their yeah. fitness levels were through the roof. That's one thing that struck me by that took me took me back to tell you the truth. They were so fit, uh, and they can perform like they do in the first minute, in the seventy-fifth minute. Um, uh, look, I, I certainly think George Cruz and Alan Wynne Jones or Mario Toji, whoever it is, can certainly do that. But I think when you're when you're playing in a team like the All Blacks, and then you've got those two boys that can link pass, play like back rowers. It's interesting what you say about the linking and passing. I remember I had a chat a little while ago with one of the Stormers coaches, and they were they were talking about uh, Eden Etzbeth and the difference in stats from the World Cup between his passing to uh, to Ritalik, and it didn't even come close because they 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 play the ball a lot um, in that middle pod sometimes with Ritalik. But Ritalik recently has been roaming a lot. And another question I've got for you is: you'd have seen the game against Samoa. What did you make of? Barrett when he came off the bench as a, as a, as a sort of second row impact there. As what, what did you think of his performance? So, that dad should be put out to stud. I saw that on Twitter the other day. I can't who it was. No, it was um, you. Take credit for it. That's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll all tweet that later he, on. Fantastic. He is, he is something else. I mean, those three boys are unbelievable. Um, I think he was involved. He actually might have made his first test debut against Ireland at Soldier Field. Oh, right. He's got to try that game. Yeah. And um, he, he's an athlete. He's he's in the same mould as his two brothers. Um, I certainly think you know he'll add a, a lot coming off the bench because um, I think one of the other second rows who played in that game against Soldier Field is actually um, not involved in the All Blacks team through disciplinary, I think yeah, it might right. be. Yeah. Um, but you know they've got abundance of people, and they've even sometimes they've even put Jerome Kano in the second row. Yeah. Um, it shows how much confidence they have in, in the rest of the type five forwards. So I don't think it really matters. To, you Dan, know, you... I'd expect I'd expect the two senior guys to do a full yeah. seventy minutes, yeah. um, and only see Barrett on for the last ten potentially. Can you see the Lions playing in any other way than they've they've uh, they've looked to play in the last two successful games where they've shut 
the opposition down, you know, with, with very claustrophobic defence, kicked well, um, exited quite well. Um, can you see them trying to do anything different? I don't think they've really got the ability to do anything different, to tell you the truth. Mm. I think the strength really lies in the sort of eight forwards and the nine and ten, um, turning pressure onto New Zealand and hoping they can just disrupt them in the air, disrupt them on the ground, disrupt them in the driving line out malls, and try and take drag them into that sort of that sort of way. I mean, obviously Gatlin has a, a lot of his um a lot of people doubting him and there's obviously experts everywhere at the minute, but I think let's be honest, our strengths are yeah. in that in that in that forward pack and, and the way Conor Murray kicks and we've got um some some good wingers that are good in the air. Yeah. Uh I, I can't see and uh, I know it sounds stupid, but we're really doing a rain dance and hoping it rains for the first <laughs> test exactly. Like, yeah, makes complete that, sense. We 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 it's, it's a leveller. The rain's a leveller, the yeah. wind's a leveller, the referee we're hoping has a shocker. And has a and, and for New Zealand and has an advantage for the Lions because we need levels because they're just an exceptional team. Yeah. Okay, Dan, that's uh, very interesting. Thanks very much, mate. Thank you. Enjoy, fellas. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, well, we can speak to uh, another lock. Uh, we might speak to him about Scotland, um, who beat Australia. Uh, Doddy Weir, former Lion as well. Doddy, how are you, mate? Brian, I'm very well, thank you very much. Good man, good man. You're very chipper tonight. Chipper, chipper. <laughs> normally, normally I can sort of uh, be sly yeah, we'll in the background. To, we'll come to speak to the Scottish yeah. boys. <laughs> oh, yeah. find that defeat going. But no, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. No, look, uh, the, the, you can't say it wasn't deserved in Australia, can you? No, definitely not. No, the boys were outstanding. But, uh, but saying that, they made it quite interesting again. <laughs> At the final whistle. Yeah, they tried hard, didn't they? <laughs> they did try hard. Give it, give it away. Yeah. To the end of the seats, because all the last games, the last number of games against Australia has been pretty close, and especially the one I remember <coughs> is the World Cup. So, yeah. and, and going back to that, they, they, they looked like they had it under wraps, and all of a sudden there was still a, a few minutes to play, and it was, oh, no, not all over again. I tell you, I, I tell you what was, a, you know, Gregor Townsend said, he backed before the tour, you know, he said, look, we're going to play our game because actually I think we're fitter than Australia and we're going to work them and uh, they're going to run out of steam. And at times, you know, we're waiting for them to put the boot on the ball for the exit, you know, to get out of the half. And actually just kept to the plan, you know, taking the ball in, you know, recycling. And in the end, they backed themselves uh, and, it, and, it, and it came off. And uh, is, that the sort, is that the sort of thing Townsend is, is, is now going to stay with? I think so, but then we've got to we've got to remember that the sort of platform was possibly put together by uh, Fern Cotter. He's got the boys in good yeah. good shape and good fettle at the moment. But I think you're you're spot on in any game of rugby at the moment, Mura. The 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 if you back yourself, I think the big thing for that game was the defence. When the, when the Scots boys didn't have the ball, they gave Australia no time whatsoever. Um, and I, you were talking about the Lions as well against the the, the All Blacks. That's exactly the kind of platform, I think, what you're going to have to do. The Australians just couldn't get into their game whatsoever because they were, they were knocked back, they were hustling to, to how, making some mistakes. How much, how much of a psychological advantage do you think that is to sort of win that game on Australian soil, you know, with, uh, with Townsend being involved and say, guys, back yourselves, have a go, out, almost out Australia Australia in the way they're sort of playing. How much of a psychological advantage do you think that gives this Scottish team? I think, oh, massive. Because when, when you're breaking records, I, think, I don't know if they've ever won in Australia before, but if not, it's been such a long time. That gives confidence. And, and as you, you guys, we all know, if you, 
if you get into the confident way of winning, you, yeah. it comes second nature. Yeah. And, and the boys are now fourth in the IRB, if that, that really means anything, not really a lot to myself, but it means <laughs> that they've been winning some games and some yeah. important games, which is the important thing. Uh, and, and that confidence, as long as they can keep going, keep the games flowing, they're going to have time off, autumn tests, and then the big thing, they've, they've got some yeah. big tests uh, pre-Christmas and uh, back into Six Nations, and Six yeah. Nations could be a, 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 an interesting time. But don't forget that this year was an interesting time for them as well. They, yeah. they performed extremely well apart from one game. Has yeah. to be against your team, Brian. Didn't yeah, it? but look, I tell you what. They, they, look, once, once, you know, once they okay decided to, I mean, had a complete, you know, aberrant brain fart. I mean, it was just, <laughs> it was just the mo- the most terrible way to start a test against a, you know a, a good England side, and 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 from that point of view, it, it was it was never even level. But anyway, let's move. Your 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 views very relevant to. The uh, second row pairings for the for the lines. Is, do you think it will be the Saracens pair, uh, or do you think Alan Wynne Jones might uh, might split that up? I've always been a great supporter of Alan Wynne Jones. I just like the way he goes, and I think at the moment there's been a lot of will they do it, will they not? But when you're in that sort of that frame, it's it's test rugby. I think the boys are looking forward to. It. We know ourselves. That's when you you kind of step up your game. Uh, no end, but uh, Alwyn Jones to me is is an outstanding individual. But Cruz is playing well; they're all playing well at the moment. And I told you he was had an outstanding game at the weekend, also. So, in a way, this second row partnership is is going to be causing Gatland a headache for all the correct reasons yeah. that, that the boys are playing. And and I think it it's mentioned before, it all depends the game that he wants to play and I think the way that Otoji played, he probably wouldn't have been my side at the beginning of the tour because yeah. uh, I think he's kind of missed between back row and second row but uh-huh. he performed extremely well at the weekend he was putting hits in, taking the ball up which is what you need yeah. he was he was pretty much everywhere as well so it's going to be a difficult one but uh, I still like the old head and, and Alwyn Jones because he's been there and done it before and okay. I think that's what they need um, if if that is the case, do you think then that will favour, which is also a very uh, marginal decision, um, Owens to start over uh, George? Um, well, that's more of more of your your position. It is. I just wonder. You know, second row, but George was saying, you know, it's so important now. You know, you 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 throw you with with well, your I think teammate. George did well at the weekend. Uh, yeah. The lineouts to me looked like they were spot on. You kind of think, yeah. oh no, he's overthrown that. But actually. It's it's it was spot on, and as a jumper, you need somebody who can who can bang it in. You need that confidence, um, don't you? you do. One thing we were we were looking at, we were just looking at the the what I think it was maybe the first few games when uh, I think it was the Tojo was calling the line out. It was he was calling the line out. He gave eyes to, to to Rory Best. Now, obviously, the Irish guys get the ball in really fast and really sharp, and there was that kind of miscommunication where Best threw what he's yeah. been doing his entire Test career with Ireland that hard flat ball when it means something different to, to when, say, Jamie George is throwing in. And those kind of relationships are crucial, aren't they? So I suppose it's going to be interesting to see with who calls ends up calling the line out with the hooker. Yeah, and... but also it's, it's the accuracy. Mm. See, Brian Moore had done far better if he was more accurate when he threw the ball in. <laughs> <laughs> he just had some good jumpers at the time that allowed him to make He's... all his mistakes. But and on a serious note, when, that is important when you are a second row and you've got someone has to be accurate. Now, we're talking... We're talking to give or take a couple of inches, especially when you're against the world's best. And yeah. you need that precision. 
And I think Jamie George has that position looking at his game and the games he's been involved before. Yeah. Um, Donny, difficult question. Can they do it on Saturday? Do you think... No, 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 they can do it. Will they do it? Well, I think they can. I don't know why. I think they can because I'm heading out to support them. So that gives... I'm sure they'll know a big... Oh, I'm sure they'll know that. That'll 100% be... That'll lift the boys up. But what... what, In in my mind, what will give them incentive is the Ireland team winning. If that team hadn't won that, and I think it's a mental game, that they would go into this game thinking, well, no team's beaten them for quite a long time. No home nations. How are we going to conquer this? But the Irish have done that. Yep. And if I was playing in the team, that would give me great hope that they've done it so we can do it. So yep. we're supposed to be maybe a better team than the Irish. So, yes, going into Saturday, according to Farrell as well, they've done hard work at the at pre-season training the first couple of games. So that's out of the way. The boys yep. are kind of resting a little bit, so they've got a bit more juice in their legs and fire in the belly now. It's test rugby. So, yes, first game's vitally important in any of these tours. So, yes. The boys yeah. have got the business, they've got the armory, and with any luck, with an Irish victory, they're going on to get a, a good start in this uh, Test Series. Uh, Donny, thank you very much. Be safe. Um, I'm sure that you'll enjoy first-class uh, travel. <laughs> I, I know you've moved up in the... Well, that's all right. That. You, can go, you can still go first-class, put them in zoo-class, that's fine. Get them to turn just, right. Yeah, yeah take, just take them a coat back every now and again, and, and they'll be fine. Dwayne, <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you won't try that. No, I wouldn't dare. Mate, be be safe, but above all, be safe. Cheers, mate. Thanks, boys. Thanks. Yeah. Right, it's time now uh, to hear from another member of the team behind the team. In association with QBE Business Insurance, principal partner of the British and Irish Lions, supporting the team behind the team. This is Brian Moore's Full Context. So, look, as you know, the uh, doing the Lions Tour and before the tour, we have been bringing you the story of those behind the scenes, the team behind the team, supported by QBE Business Insurance. Everybody, if you think about it, knows that there is a team behind the team because it's obvious, but you don't necessarily think about what these people actually do uh, and how they do it. It's been a fascinating uh, set of interviews, and uh, this week we're going to be hearing from Rob O'Reilly, the kit manager, and I began by asking him what his job entails. I would be in charge of training sessions, the equipment, footballs, etc., 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 on location, um, well before the lads arrive, make sure everything is in order, as in um, footballs, shields, etc. I'd like to be on location a minimum of one and a half hours before the team arrives, yeah. yeah. Check out a few things. Um, check their um, change rooms, obviously, um, showers, toilets, etc. And to ensure that all our kit required for the session is laid out in a in a reasonable fashion. And how long will you be there after a session? Uh, would probably at my pace, it probably would be <laughs> <laughs> probably another hour and a half. Yeah. Because uh, I like taking my time, and uh, of course, subject to weather, of course, you know. But um, and what about match days? Match days are D-Day. I've uh, at least five hours beforehand. The brand five. five hours, yeah. Why five? Good question. Uh, because, first of all, I go in. Uh, first thing I do is hang the jerseys. Then I put the music on. Christy Moore, Beatles, etc., etc. Put the music on, get a, get a bit of an atmosphere going. And the branding people would have been in already with the yeah. Lions logos, etc. Yeah. 
And then I'd probably have one or two chaps with me, like Nev and uh, maybe my driver. And uh, bit by bit, we put the whole thing together. And, uh, you know, we have separate, hopefully, tables. We bring our own tables. Yes. And try to have it looking as... Um, Meet as a pin when yeah. the arrival arrives, when yeah. the boys arrive. Yeah. What, what differences are there between the Lions Tour and then, say, National Tour? Both are very special, of course. Yes. The Lions, to me, is, is, is uh, like, it's like an instant family. Um, uh, it's such an honour and privilege to be amongst, like, like the George Nort, etc. Um, Alvin, uh, all the boys, it's, it's just, it sometimes it feels so surreal. Yeah. Uh, you have to pinch yourself to... Uh, after all, you are you know, you have the creme de la creme here, and uh, your job is to try and help them in whatever way um, you can. Um, plus the coaches, of course, and the manager and the head how, coach. how much will you get involved with the uh, with the other uh, people, you know, teams yeah, behind the yeah, teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody on the lines helps each other. Right. It's a family. Um, it's a special place to be um, on tour. Um, special people. Um, special occasions. Yeah. I mean, going to the beautiful country of New Zealand and uh, to take on the, uh, the All Blacks, etc. Yeah. Such such a such a challenge, and uh, and it's the place to be. So if you're if you're, for example, needed to to help the physios carry stuff, you, then oh you, yeah, you're you in. Get, you get you're in. That. You don't. You're in. Bang. <laughs> you know, you can see things, and um, if people are struggling with a bag, probably you get in there and help them, as they would, as they do with me. Yeah. What do you carry in your van? Footballs. Cones, shields, bibs, water, supplement drink. Stud box, stud box, Avon box, that's the toiletries. Yeah. Box, shorts, socks, medical equipment as supplied by the doctor. Um, then you'll have these the fitness chaps, they'd have a box of gear on as well. Um, you'll have to line out a net. You'll have the big sausage tackle bags. Who, who supplies and looks after the scrimmage machine? Rhino, they would supply all their, all their hardware equipment. That would be awaiting us at the tr- side of the training field upon arrival. All the heavy stuff, like the scrums machine, etc. Et yeah. um, but there's X amount that you have to carry around you in the van at all times. What sort of rapport do you develop with the players? Well, I would like to think that I, the players would think of me as their friend. Yeah. Not about me, but the players. Yeah. My uh, title for the team is the captain. Yeah. And the kings, and you're help. You're there to help. And I'm the open spirit carrier <laughs> in the Shakespearean play that walks across the t- stage every hour on the hour. Well, thank you to uh, Rala for sharing his story and how he fits in the with the team behind the team. And also, uh, thanks to QBE Business Insurance who support this podcast and the team behind the British and Irish Lions. QBE are about building the strongest partnerships one team and collaboration across multiple countries to give business the confidence to achieve their ambitions. And uh, if you don't think that's relevant, well, you're, you're, you're wrong because every team needs a team behind the team. Uh, we're going to be able to uh, discuss the weekend's Challenge Cup uh, games now because we can, uh, we can go, go further north. Um, let's see if we can... Is Phil there? Is Phil Kaplan there? Yes, I'm here. Good Phil, evening. Phil, hello, mate. Um, How are Eddie, you? Oh, I'm 4020. Uh, that's, that's a magazine, isn't it? 4020? It is. That, it that is a magazine out now, but of course we're not here to plug that. Well, that's fine. I don't mind you plugging it. That's, <laughs> that's OK. That's, that's, absolutely fine. Uh, 
some some dramatic games over the weekend. And I suppose let's start with the the walkover one, the Featherstone uh, Leeds one. It's a shame that one has to be um, so one sided. But was it ever going to be any different with the difference in quality per you know you know weekly challenges between um, you know the Super League? Well, you, you raise a really interesting point because it, it's not even about that. It's the disparity, in fact, the chasm between full-time and part-time these days. And actually, yeah, that's enough. a question for all cup competitions, be it rugby league, rugby union, soccer. Yeah. The, the problem now is that it's very, very hard to have romance because if the yes. top teams put their full side out, they are going to win. Yeah. Um, and Leeds were very, very professional in this yes. performance. They started really well. Um, they, they were 18 points up inside 14 minutes and, yeah. and Featherstone couldn't respond to that. I, I can't imagine what the Featherstone players would have thought when they looked at the Leeds bench because they just and, get to yes. go with somebody like Keith Galloway. He yeah. goes off and Adam Cuthbertson. Well, what you, can't, what you can't do in rugby of either code, you can't put eight men behind the ball and nick a goal... Or you know, or try on the break and then defend for the rest of the game because Absolutely physically not. you are going to get beaten down at some point. You're going to run out of defenders, or someone's going to slip and make an error. And you just, you know, the physical aspect of the game is so much more important. Which and that element isn't there in football. But let's move on to to what was a you know an absolute cracker today. I thought um, yeah. all thirty two, Castleford twenty four. It got a bit niggly in there because I don't think Castleford quite liked uh, the fact they were going to go down. But you've got to give it to Hull. Um, in the end, they, I think they probably deserved it. They managed the heat magnificently. Um, make no mistake, it was it was 40 degrees down there in the arena and Hull are a big side. They couldn't afford to make mistakes. They couldn't really afford to be run around too much. But they have two massive wingers in Mahe Fanua and Fatuli Talanoa who absolutely reveled in the conditions, took some pressure yes. off the forwards, drove the ball in well, made a great start. We're, we're 12-0 up early on. And I think some of that was on the emotion of the loss of Arthur Bunting this week, the famous yeah. Hull coach, the, the finest coach that Hull have ever had. They paid him tribute before the game. They had a, a, a legion of, of players that he'd coached, people like Gary Schofield and Lee Crooks, who were there to, to pay tribute. His family bought the ball. and It was a hugely charged atmosphere at the KCOM Stadium, and Hull did really well to feed on that. Yeah, made I, a great start. Because actually, I thought at first, you know, they, they, they recorded, they raced into a you know, 12-0 lead, but then actually... They made a couple of those, and I, I just wonder in in sets near the line. And and you know, I, I was listening, and John John Keir was talking, and he was saying um, it doesn't matter if you make uh, mistakes, you know, in, in sets uh, in the opposition line. It's where where you make them on your own line. I was thinking, well, it does if you don't score when you ought to. And I I was worrying at the more at that point for for Hull that they might not have put as many chances away as they needed to. But in the end. Um, you know, they found a way to, to put some distance, uh, notwithstanding the fact that uh, Castleford came back as you knew they would. Well, the other side of game management is taking the opportunities when they come along because yeah. being cup tie rugby, Hull have won this on kicking penalties. Uh, the difference between the teams is eight points. Hull four times chose to kick at goal. That's great game management, particularly in the heat. Yeah. Gives your side a rest. You, they went behind 18-16 and you were thinking, I, yeah. I wonder if they're going to have the energy to come back. But it's the penalties that clawed them back into yeah. the game. Michael Shenton, who's been absolutely magnificent as a skipper for Castleford this year, then loses the ball on halfway when Cass yeah. are going for it. Yeah. And that turned the game. Uh, and I, 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 in Looking at it from a Castleford point of view, they will be absolutely devastated 
stated tonight that they will not win the treble now this year when they've been so dominant. But actually, this could be the best game for them at this stage in the season. It's the first time that they've been put under real pressure. And this is the, the, the kind of thing they're going to expect between now and the end of the season. If they can learn from this and yeah. handle this, this could make them more dangerous for the grand final. Yeah. Well, one side who... Uh... I don't know if it's true to say they rode the luck, but uh, you know, having to watch a, a last-minute uh, attempted drop goal not not go over is, is I suppose you can say it's luck. Wigan twenty-seven, Warrington twenty-six. Now. Well- well, both teams found ways to, to win and lose this game. Yes. It was the most astonishing ending. Uh, Wigan just get into the lead through a Sam Tompkins drop goal. I think we have to pay massive credit to Sam Tompkins and particularly John Bateman, who've come back from long-term injuries. Yeah. First matches this season were absolutely brilliant. Bateman played the full 80 minutes, but great game management from Tompkins. He drops a goal, looks as though Wigan are going to sneak it, and then from the kick-off, with, bearing in mind there's a minute and a half to go, Wigan put the ball out on the full. Yeah. Uh, Warrington missed the penalty from halfway, um, which Stefan Ratchford took, didn't miss by much and you thought well that's their chance gone and then Warrington get the opportunity to set up for a drop goal to level it and take us the golden point in the very last minute and Declan Patton just puts it wide of the post mainly because Wigan's charge down was fantastic but also because Patton probably didn't stand far enough back and again mm. it's game management in pressure situations yeah. that's the difference between winning and losing where do the teams go from here well I think we spoke about this last week and said it could be a season defining game Yes, the team that wins can go on a march now I mean Wigan have some work to do the one Super League game that was played on Friday night another great win for Huddersfield yeah. means that Wigan have dropped to eighth They've got some real work to do over the next six weeks before this semi-final, but they've got yeah. players back. Bateman, is Bateman. Got... How long has Bateman been out? To, to... He played four, in the three, World three Club months? Challenge game against That's three Cronoba months, isn't it? In February, that's the only game he's played this year. Oof. So that is astonishing to do 80 minutes of such quality and obviously score what was a defining try. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In natural athlete, but to be able to play in this weather for that long in such an intense game is, is massive and obviously fantastic for England come the World Cup at the end of the season. Yeah. What about, uh, we were saying that you know, effectively the season might be over for the losers and not that they're necessarily going to, uh, they're going to be involved in relegation, but uh, Tony Smith yeah. has been the subject of inquiries or rumours mm. um, are they going to be are they going to be fulfilled anyway is he going to move anywhere do you think I don't think so I mean Tony is is a fantastic coach his record says that he's, he's rejuvenated the three clubs he's been at over here but he is one of the highest paid coaches in rugby league so uh-huh. if anybody wants him they're going to have to pay a fee and I'm, I'm not sure at this stage of the season that even though he's been linked with Catalan Dragons that that's going to happen more likely the word coming from across the channel is that a deal has been done with Steve McNamara to fill that role right. but, but where Tony may be next year now possibly could be the subject of conjecture. Warrington, as you say, probably won't need to worry about relegation, but they're four points now off the, the top eight yeah. and nothing else to play for. The, yeah. Where they go from here having lost 27-26 is a massive question. Now, uh, just to finish uh, off um, conveniently, uh, Salford, uh, we've been, well, we said we've been waiting for Salford to get yeah. back together for years and years and years, and it's starting to happen. Uh, yeah. They were very comfortable, I thought, against Wakefield. Are they, are they potential winners of this? They are. I mean, the last time they got to a semi-final was 1998. The last time they reached a final was 1969. The last time they won the competition was 1938. And they find themselves 80 <laughs> minutes from Wembley. The semi-final draws been made this evening. They will play Wigan 
Yeah. Uh, the likelihood is that will be in Warrington. Yeah. Uh, they have a chance. They really do have a chance. Mm-hmm. 80 minutes away from Wembley. And, and to be fair to Salford with the squad that they've got and the progress that they've made, I think it's too much to expect them to win a, a grand final, possibly even be at Old Trafford. Yeah. But if you were to say to this group of highly talented players, particularly Rob Louie, who was magnificent on Thursday night, yes. Ben Murdoch Masilla as well, if they can nurse him through the next six weeks, they can trouble Wigan. Um, so they've got a chance. The other, obviously, semi-final then is Leeds and Hull, which is likely to be at Doncaster, and yeah. that's a repeat of the 2005 final, where Hull put, pulled off a massive yeah. shock to beat Leeds that day with a, a last-minute try from Paul Cook. Um, so we've got two magnificent semi-finals, that is for sure. The shame is the scheduling, that we've got to wait six weeks until the, these semis come around. And the problem with that is we can talk about them now, we can lord Salford. We have no idea what form any of these teams are going That's to be true. in six weeks' time. Yeah. We don't know what injuries are going to be affected. Um, so if we were looking at it today, I'd say it's looking like Salford have a really good opportunity to, to put one over on Wigan. They can play with freedom. Um, they're already overachieved by sitting in second in Super League. They're going to make the top eight. That's massive for them. They know that next year they are in uh-huh. Super League. They can recruit accordingly. But 80 minutes from Wembley, this could be a, a recall of the days of, of David Watkins and, and the high. That, that, that is a long time ago. But a, fielding, that, should, still, that shows how old I am because I remember that you've got to stop this guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't. I can't wait. I think it's a tremendous competition with with so much, uh, so much uh, history. I think um, it's safe to say that whoever gets to Wembley this year, there's going to be a great crowd as well, and that can only be good for the competition and for the sport. Excellent. Thank you very much. As as always. Cheers. Always a pleasure. Take care. Well, we're nearly uh, at the end of the show. Uh, let's look forward to what will be a momentous week. The Chiefs first up for the Lions, and then the. First test. Let's get the Chiefs out of the way. It's a strong uh, Lions team. They're boosted by the uh, the geographically available uh, bench. <laughs> We've made enough comment about that. <laughs> but do you see? Um, a pro- you know, it's time now. I think they they've been familiar. They, they, whilst the combinations are slightly different and whatever, yeah, they've got now enough time to to have bedded themselves in. And I think you know they can they can look. I think to step up. And you know the Chiefs are, are, are a very decent team. Uh, they're not as good as the Crusaders, but uh, I think they, they they should be looking to put them away, not not with comfort, but you know performing as we know they probably can do uh, with the players they've got out on the field. Well, they've they've got some great players there. You know yeah. you look you look at you look at the the the, the, the tight five. You look at the bat line. They've they've, they've got a, a, a great team. The, the the question we've got, like you say, they've they've got to give it a real go for these players now. They are playing there. This is their sort of last opportunity. Okay, they're probably not going to be in the starting test side on Saturday. We know that, but this is the last chance for for these guys to put their hands up. If there's there is an injury, yeah. I'm the next guy on the team sheet. Yeah, you know, you look at the guy like Courtney Laws for an example. He's yeah. a guy who jumps off the sheet. Obviously, very unlucky with that concussion. Yeah. Up until he got the bang on the head, he's been playing so well. Uh, you know, you've, you've got the, the the likes of him. I think Henderson's been playing pretty well. Uh, Tipperick, well. Tipperick, Tipperick's been amazing. I, I, for me, for me I mean, and Stander as well. Yeah, know, tremendous. I mean, you've got some great players, and and, and, and Elliot Daly. A lot. Of well, that back like... three actually. You look at that back three. That's right. <laughs> Jack Noel, Elliot Daly, and Liam yeah. Williams at fullback. It's quite exciting actually. Well, that well, that's the, funnily enough. As we were talking earlier on, that's exactly what uh, Mark Cueto sort of yes. said. That, that that's you know, but Bar Daly, that's uh, that's yeah. his back three. So I mean, you look at guys like Elliot Daly as well. 
you know, it's an opportunity for him to, to really show what he can do. And then, you know, with his versatility that he does offer, yeah. um, as well as his out-and-out talent, you know, it's, it's chances for guys to go, here I am, if anything happens, or if it doesn't go well in certain positions, I'm ready. Yeah. So it's exciting. Uh, and uh, we have run out of time now, which is unfortunate. But the, the, the test, very quick word on the test. I think that, that for historic reasons everything else, this is the best opportunity that the Lions have. If they can, and there are two things here, their discipline has got to be absolutely exemplary because when Ireland beat uh, New Zealand Soldier Field in Chicago, notwithstanding the All Blacks were missing players, I think they gave away four penalties only. Uh, the Lions will give more away than that, but they cannot afford to be sloppy there and they've got to take the chances. If they do that, you know, I believe they can win, but it's going to be... It's open to question. Well, I think before the before the the, the whole tour happened, I was probably uh, with a lot of people. You know, we talked about the Kiwis being incredibly confident. You know, some people were talking about will the Lions win a game, kind of confident. Um, I think we've seen, and I think it's been brilliant for the tour that it's been really competitive in yeah. all of the games. Yeah. And I think it's you know, I'm I'm really really looking forward to this first test because it's almost like you don't really quite know what's going to happen because yeah. you've got such a clash of styles, yeah. the direct territory set-piece focus. I think the biggest thing that we've seen from the the weekend teams, the Saturday teams, is against a very good Crusaders side, against a very good, on paper, uh, Maori All Black side. They've made them look ordinary. And we know these players are not ordinary, and we've seen them perform. And therefore, if by extension, the fundamentals of rugby are the same. If you can put even good players under pressure, yeah. they make mistakes. And if you can suffocate them with the defence that we've yeah. seen, the defence has been incredible. Yeah. If you can suffocate them with the defence, you suffocate them with the set piece. Uh, it's pretty difficult in the line-out. The All Blacks are you know, one of the world's best. But you know that, that there's, there's hope there. And yeah. I think that's brilliant. I don't think they necessarily had that at the start of the trip. Well, that's it. Uh, you've been listening to Brian Moore's Full Contact in association with the Telegraph and QBE Business Insurance. Many thanks to my co-host George Robson for joining me in the studio this week and to our producer Abby Patterson who is Scottish and is well chuffed about their win over Australia. Next week I'll be joined in the studio. I'm looking forward to this, to the former Lions and fly half uh, Rob Squeaky Andrew. I can't tell you the real reason he's called Squeaky. He's too rude. But anyway, um, it'll be fascinating. And remember, you can get in touch with us throughout the week via the hashtag FullContact. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a review. Thank you. Good night.